You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. So Nehemiah chapter 8, let's... uh. Can y'all make a commitment to hang in here with me? <laughs> this is a lengthy passage, and there's some hard words that I got to read, but this is a cool story, okay? So y'all hang in here with me. All right, let's start reading in verse 70, uh, 73 of chapter 7, actually. It says, And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who, who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And, when he, and he read it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and all those who could understand. And all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Ananiah and Uriah and Helkiah and Messiah. And on on his right hand. And Padiah and Mishael and Malchijah and Hashem and Habadaniah and Zechariah and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. As he stood, as he opened it, all the people stood. And Israel blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And also, Jeshua and Benaiah, Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub. And Shabbatiah, and Hodiah, and Masiah, and Kalida, and Azariah, and Josabad, and Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read the book, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that people understood what they read, the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, And Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Let's pray one more time. Father, we are incredibly thankful for this story and you giving us your law that we can read to know you. So over the next few minutes, Spirit, Pour out your wisdom on us and transform our hearts to know and love you more. Amen. So if you don't know, um, 
I don't, as a pastor here, I, I don't get paid anything from this church. So um, I actually, what pays my bills is a separate job. I work for this uh, medical distribution company called McKesson. And uh, it's, a, it, it's a, just a huge company. And I'm in a category, I'm in a division of a division of a division. So I have a small part in this big whole company, but my job gets to take me um, over the course of around 12 to 14 different states. So I do a lot of traveling and um, get to go a lot of places and help a lot of, you know, just be a resource for a lot of people. Well, it was a couple months ago, I was actually invited to go to Orlando uh, for a company that I... um, support one of their products, and it was their national meeting. Hey, Luke, you did great this year for us. Would you come and talk to our, uh, the rest of our people about what's going on? And so I go to Orlando, and it's a, uh, the night before, they take us out to a nice dinner, a really nice steakhouse. And um, I'm sitting there, and I open, I look at the menu, and my eye gets caught. There's a Wagyu Kobe ribeye. Now, if you don't know about Kobe, 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 however you want to say it, it's a Japanese cow that's like lives a real posh life to make it as tender as possible. The problem is, is this dude was 400 bucks. <laughs> well, guess what? I wasn't paying for it. <laughs> so I said, I want that steak. <laughs> And I'm not lying to you. You, may, you know, as a kid, like you get cotton candy, and you, if you roll it into a ball or just take a bite, it like all of a sudden starts dissolving in your mouth. That steak was like cotton candy in my mouth. <laughs> it dissolved completely. And it was only eight ounces, but I swear I ate that dude in 90 seconds. I mean, it was just like, phew, phew, and it was, it was so incredibly good. And as I was thinking about that this week, I just got to thinking about, um, does my appetite for God's word look like my appetite for that steak was that night? <laughs> Do I find the, God's word as satisfying as I found that steak? Because I started thinking about Jesus' words, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then there's the prophet Jeremiah who says something really weird. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And then I think of Psalm 19 that says, your word is sweeter than honey. And so I'm beginning to ask myself, man, do I really believe God's word is that satisfying? Statistics would tell us that we believe that, at least in our mind. Or at least we value the fact of owning a copy of the Bible. Hey, show of hands, how many of y'all have more than one copy of the Bible in your home? (laughs) I either am really holy or it's really sinful, as many copies of the Bible I have in my home. And statistics say 3,400 copies are sold an hour. That's like 25 million a year. So there's at least a mental ascent, like this is somewhat valuable that I at least need to own a copy. But we come here to Nehemiah chapter 8, and we need to start asking ourselves what Nehemiah is doing here, is that, is the importance of God's word to the people of Israel as equally important to me? 
Nehemiah is going to show us here how the word shapes our life. How to feast on it. What does it look like to value it? How do we allow it to shape those around us as well? And we're going to answer these questions as we go through this morning. But let's catch up to speed really quick where we are. So we've been in Nehemiah the past several weeks. We saw from the story he's a cupbearer for the king. And that's no small thing. This guy, he's going to the king's parties. He's living in the palace with the king. He's eating the king's food. Like This guy's living a great life by what our standards would say. And he hears about Israel's wall being destroyed and his heart grieves and he's praying, Lord, send somebody to fix it. And God says, yes, you go. And so he leaves and he goes and he fixes and he, to repair the wall. And through all the opposition and all the things that are flying at him to detract him away from it, we heard last week that he stayed the course and he finished the wall and now the wall is complete. But what Nehemiah is now turning to is now that the wall is complete, We need to focus on the real issue, and that's the spiritual health of Israel. What Nehemiah knows is that a broken wall isn't the biggest issue going on in the nation of Israel. The broken wall is just a visible illustration for the real issue of a broken relationship with God. See, this story isn't just about building a wall. It's about rebuilding the relationship with God. I think about what, I mean, just think of, listen to Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1. He says, this is after he's heard about the wall being destroyed. His prayer starts off with, I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house has sinned. And we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules you commanded for your servant Moses. More than the people needing the wall, they needed the word. You see, what needs to be done physically in our life is no substitute for what has to be done spiritually in our life. And that comes... Through knowing and understanding God's word. So, this is true of our life. Not just Israel's, but ours as well. What we need, more than just physical needs, is a spiritual need, Matt. I mean, think about the life of our church. We're doing some awesome things in fellowship. God has really been gracious to us. And especially in the life of our missional communities. I mean, we have missional communities that are clothing foster children, who are serving the internationals and recovering addicts and single parents. And these are all great things. These are awesome things that we can rebuild the wall, so to speak, in people's life. But apart from reaching them spiritually with the Word of God, we're leaving them ultimately dissatisfied. So how do we allow God's word to shape us? How do we allow it to change us, to satisfy us like that steak satisfied me a few months ago? How do we value God's word and how do we allow it to uh, reach other people in our life? I think it's done really two ways for what we see in the passage of of what we see here in Nehemiah 8. There's a rediscovering of God's word and then there's a responding to God's word. 
So in a rediscovering of God's word, there's a sense of we have to, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I could not think of one for the life of me this week of what rediscovering. I guess it's like, like think about when you, I think about Andrew who's got a lot of toys in his room and how one kind of gets pushed to the side and he forgets about. But when he's going through his toy box and that toy comes back to life, it's like the greatest thing ever, right? (laughs) And that's kind of the reaction we need to give to the Word of God in our life. We need to revisit the fact of how important this is. We need to rediscover this, knowing that this is the true Word of God, and then we need to have a regular diet of it. A recent Pew Research says that 26% of professing evangelical Christians do not believe this to be the true words of God. That's one in every four of you sitting here. And if you find yourself there, can I just say, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is a freedom, this is a free place where you can question, you can doubt, you can wrestle with, with the truths that we see in Scripture. And it's okay. And you will not receive condemnation because honestly, if if, speaking on the behalf of the pastors, there's stuff in here we wrestle with that we find it hard to believe. So, But just know, church, that we do believe as pastors that this book is the true words of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is is God-breathed. Hebrews chapter 4 says that this word is living and active. Psalm 19 says the testimonies of the Lord are sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. We believe this book to be true. In fact, we believe it to be so true, we name the church fellowship Bible Church. I know we're in the crossing, but this isn't the crossing church. This is fellowship Bible Church. And when we planted fellowship... I mean, you've probably heard this story. We just said, look, if we've never read the Bible and we found a copy in a forest and we read it from cover to cover, what would the church look like that you planted? So beyond the traditions of men, beyond what science may tell us, beyond what culture says, beyond what reason and logic says, we hold to this. So if there's something in our culture that contradicts what this says, if there's something in science that contradicts what this says, or even in reason and logic, we hold to this. We believe this to be the true words of God. And with the Spirit's help, we're going to hold our life and this church under its authority. But if we're going to rediscover God's word, there has to be more than just believing that these are the true words of God. You've got to ingest them. You've got to eat it. You've got to have a regular diet. You've got to be like Jeremiah and says, your words were found and I'm eating them. And this is where I think the American church has drastically failed us. A Barner research group from two years ago, 2016, said that only 36% of Christians actively spend time reading the Word. I would argue 
that that is a low percent. The number is probably now really high. That actively spend time taking in God's word. And I spent some time this week thinking about um, why, you know, the reasons we don't read, reasons we don't spend time in God's word. And I just want to give you some of those and hopefully I can give you some practical steps to overcome some of our reasons. I hear a lot that it's hard to understand. And I get that. The Bible was written, you know, 15, over the course of 1,500 years, 2,000 years ago, three different languages. And if you're like me, you grew up in a church that preached the King James Version, and I have no idea what they're saying in that Bible. <laughs> and so I get that. I get it that it's hard to understand. So it's hard to understand, so you don't really get anything out of it, and so it's just like, why even bother? But let me, can I just encourage you? <laughs> Technology's come a long way, and now we have some awesome resources to help you understand this. And I'll give you a few of my favorites. One is the New Living Translation of the Bible. We preach from the ESV, but if the New Living Translation is an easy-flow reading of Scripture... And I would encourage you, if you don't have a copy, get a copy. If you can't afford a copy, we'll buy you a copy. It is a great translation to read through. Another one would be the um, NIV, New International Version. That's an easier read. Another resource that I use, and I use this every day in my time with, with Scripture, is the God's Word for You book series. you have a picture of what that looks like? Guys, these books are unbelievably impactful to me in my daily walk and in my reading of scripture. And I've gone through, I'm on my fifth one right now, I'm working through the book of Micah, and it just correlates alongside with a passage of scripture, and then it explains it, and then gives you practical questions to apply it to your life. Guys, start, start with that one right there, Tim Keller's Galatians. Knock your socks off, incredibly good. It will change you. I promise you it will. Another excuse, or another, re, I'm going to say this one's a really bad excuse. <laughs> I don't have time. Which is ultimately saying, I don't want to, because I want to do some other things more. Which is ultimately saying, I don't want to, because I really don't value Jesus that much. Just a side note from my notes. Husbands, you cannot love your wife like Jesus loves the church without getting in his word. Dads, you cannot love your children like the Father loves us without spending time in his word. And you know how I know? Because I know what I'm like. I try to spend at least four to five days a week in, in the Word. And I know how jacked up I am. And if you're not in the Word, what are you anchoring yourself to? Anchoring yourself to. Likewise, wives. It's not just dads. I mean, I'm speaking to the men. But it's, the same goes for women and wives as well and moms. We have to have a regular diet of this Word. Another reason I hear people don't read is they just don't believe it's relevant for today's culture. Like that book was written a long time ago. Things have changed. 
We're in the 21st century now. Let me just point you to a few verses that claim otherwise. Psalm 119.2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Or in other words, happy are those who keep his testimonies. And a few verses later in 119.24, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. I think of, again, 2 Timothy 3.16, the word of uh, all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that we can be complete. I think understanding this book unleashes the Spirit's power in you like never before, honestly. And I can, I, I, look, June 16th, 2016 was the hardest day of my 37 years of existence in my life. On June 16th, 2016, the company that I work for now, I started with when I was 15. And June 16th, I get a phone call from my manager, and he says, Hey, we've acquired this other company. We're doing some reorganization. Thanks for all your 20 years, but we're going to rearrange your territory. And your territory is being dissolved into another one. We're going to let you, as of July 16th, you will no longer be employed with us. As a husband and a dad whose wife stays home and really does the hard work, uh, and I'm the only source of income, you can imagine how I felt. Because I'm sitting here looking at, what did I do wrong? Like, I'm hitting my number. I'm a leader on our team. I'm crushing my numbers. But yet they're going to let me go. And what God did for me in, that, in those few days is, beyond the words the wise and the comforting words that my wife gave, beyond the words that my dad gave me, beyond the words that Jared gave me, what really brought me comfort was the Lord leading me to his word, to Psalm 34 and Psalm 77. And it wasn't because there was like this supernatural, magical finger pointing to these passages of scripture. It's because I'd spent time in here, I knew what it said, and I could go back to it. And have it refreshed in my heart and ease all my anxiety and my fear. And so this word, regularly intaking this word, just unleashes the Spirit's power in your life to help you. No matter what situation you're finding yourself in, in life. So the point is, in all, in all this rediscovering God's word, is believing it's true and regularly eating it. And let me just encourage you, start today. If you're one of those who do not find yourself regularly spending time in it, start today. Don't wait for the morning. Start today. It's, start small. Read a proverb a day. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, 31 days in the month. Read a proverb a day. Start with, um, start with Matthew 1 and go through the Gospels and just take note. Of how Jesus reacts and responds to people. Mark your Bible up. Write all over it. The sections of my Bible that are most marked and noted and and scribbled on are the ones that I've used those God's Word for you books. Get one of those and get started. But when we read God's Word and we take it in and we believe it to be true, we have to respond to it. And here's what I mean. Look at, look at what's going on here in uh, Nehemiah 8. 
look at their response here. Chapter 9, and we're, taking, we're landing this plane. Ooh, y'all are getting out really early today. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 8, in verse 9, this is the response of the people. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy for the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping because they heard the law. Why in the world were they weeping? Well, I think of Galatians 3. Where Paul says that this book acts like a mirror to our souls to show us where we're not living up to God's standard. Honestly. It's it's the fact that we failed this law. Just like Israel did in Nehemiah praise, we have sinned against you. And this book is going to be painfully revealing areas of our life that the Spirit needs to come into and show us how much better Jesus is. But look at the continued response in verse 10. Then he said to them, Well, he tells them not stop crying, right? And then go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who's, who has nothing ready for this day is holy. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So even more so than recognizing their brokenness before God and the fact that they have not kept the law of God, he says, remember who God is and let's go rejoice and celebrate. Because there's mercy, and there's grace, and there's freedom with Jesus, with God. And this is what we need to hear today. When we expose ourselves to this word, it's going to open you up to show you areas of failure, to show you areas of sin, but we do not need to remain there. We can celebrate because of what we see in John 1.1, where the word became flesh. And dwelt with us. The very embodiment of the word of God is Jesus himself. Who obeyed this book perfectly. And yet still died the death that we deserve to die. And so while this book can expose, it also heals. And that's what, the, that's what people around us need to hear too. And so we come here this morning, and we're going to celebrate communion. And we're going to celebrate because the Word became flesh. And He lived the perfect life for us. He died the death that I should have died. And He rose rose again, conquering sin for us. And so we're going to invite the band back up here. And when we celebrate communion this morning, remember of Christ's perfect work for you. That even though we cannot keep his law, keep his word, he kept it for us. And so there's two stations back here. There's two stations up there. There's a gluten-free right back here. And if you're not a Christian, look, there's nothing magical about this stuff. It's bread and juice. What we want you to receive more than communion is we want you to receive Jesus. And so I'll be down in the front if you have any questions or want to talk. Otherwise, you guys know the, you guys know the drill once I get done praying. So 
Let's thank the Father for Jesus and for our time with him this morning. Father, we are so incredibly thankful for your Son, who is the perfect Word of God, who's the embodiment, who lived this book perfectly, even when I didn't. And we're thankful that he has conquered death and conquered sin and gives us freedom and joy. I think of Acts 8, 8. This is when we believe this, there's much joy in our city. And so we're asking that you make these truths even deeper into our hearts, that we would find value in reading your word, that we would find value in eating your word and believing it, and that we would respond with a heart of repentance and a heart of gratitude and a heart of joy because your word was made flesh for us. Amen.